Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. So just a few things before we get into the episode today. Uh, we just had end of days last week. We had Wes on. Uh, we had the opportunity to do some photos with Wes as well. So you'll be seeing some some new content from him soon. Uh, but we have end of days again this Saturday, the 14th at 10 p.m. So tune in to twitch.tv slash the crit show if you would like to see more of Tass's end of days game. Uh, we're dealing with the great old ones. And by that, sometimes I mean old television shows. Yep. Sometimes ancient gods, sometimes old movie tropes. It's really, you really, it's a catch all for old ones. Yeah, that's very true. I saw some of his notes. It seems like we're fighting geriatrics on mm, Saturday. It's uh, Golden Girls coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this, but the Golden Girls were essentially in the X Men this week in the new X Men comic. What? <laughs> there is this group of horticulturists who have like found longevity in life and have been working for years in botany to basically get control of all of the fruits and vegetables and plants with seeds so they can control when they grow and when they die. And it, I mean, it's essentially the Golden Girls. It's for ancient women in like mechanical suits. <laughs> That's hilarious. That was my favorite episode of the Golden Girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where they just beat Cyclops's ass. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I will be at Midwest Gaming Fest. I'll be running some games of Monster of the Week. There are still some slots open for that. If you plan on heading to Wisconsin for Midwest Game Fest, uh, you can sign up for those on their website. And uh, lastly, we have auditions going on until the 15th of this month. That is Sunday. Uh, you can find all the information you need on that at slash auditions. And with that, it's time to let the recap roll. Tass and TJ, as you have cut these vines, timing is off and this thing launches and you hear it smashing through other things. Jake, you and Kolvar and Trog appear on the deck of a ship. It's strange because you see right next to you the Scoundrel's Fortune, but you're standing on the deck of another ship. And I think before you have time to like, oh, what is this ship? It seems to explode as another boat seems to rocket up <laughs> from underwater and crash through it. <laughs> when I was on the boat, I wasn't sure where I was going to start. I thought there was a chance it would be in Dunehurst, and I asked around to the crew members. One of them did give me a name, Landara. They said that she was a tracker, particularly well-suited for the terrain of Dunehurst. That sounds excellent. I'll check it out. Thank you. Perhaps I'll see you at the Haven. Oh, two more things. Mm. And I scrabble in my bag and I dump a hundred gold pieces in his hand and then I give him a big hug. Uh, and he returns it. Good luck, man. I'm checking out Dunehurst and like seeing how different it is from Alpo and Nottermore by the Bay. Like this is a new world and I just want to like scope out the new scenery. And as the camera pulls back from the Scoundrel's Fortune as it sails towards the landing, we see flying high over the ornate building at the center of town, the flag of the Dead Isles. 
So TJ, here you are at the front of the Scoundrel's Fortune, and as it sails towards the landing, you see the flag of the Dead Isles flying above it. You think that this boat is going to dock within the next 10 minutes. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm going to go find Jake because Tass is in the water still, I think, right? Yes, he's a dolphin <laughs> beside the ship. Yeah, get out of the water. Um, And I'm going to let him know that the landing is being controlled by uh, the Dead Isles this year. Um, shit. Okay, I want to like run over to the side and spot Tass and collect him back up to the ship. Hey, dolphin, get up here. We have to have a conversation. Uh-uh. No, no, no. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, I think I would use whatever hold I would have to leap back up onto the deck if uh, I possibly can. Yeah, no problem. Did you just echo the dolphin that? Yes, I sure did. Nice. <laughs> He'd be proud. So the landing is currently controlled by the Dead Isles. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um. I mean, we can't, like, turn around. We're going to arrive there. I feel like we need to hit the ground running. We have not come up with a plan here. Oh, no. No, I mean, besides get desert stuff, like, that's all that's on my checklist. Oh, shit. I haven't gotten any desert stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I no, need I, sand. Sand is a desert thing. No, I, um, I'm going to go talk to Grandpa Tincher. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's we're close enough that you can be like, we're going to make port soon. Where should we go? Yeah, maybe he'll even have something to advise. So, uh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll be in the cabin. Okay, I want to read my book. Well, now my book. I want to read Eston's book and see if there's anything useful in here about like how this operates. Like we know that it trades hands. I don't know. Do we need to be worried while we're here? I have not told them about Landara. TJ, before Kolvar left, he gave me a name. He had talked to the crew and found out about a tracker named Landara who's at the landing. Oh. Uh, but I don't know where or like what she looks like or anything do you want to go chat up the crew and see if you can find out anything more specific about her uh i'm gonna go up to like the sales where i've been working for the past three days or so and i'm gonna like talk up some of the guys who i've been working the sales with and the rigging and all that and uh maybe just like name drop uh landara as we go along and you know slip them a few coins if need be and i'm gonna dive into the book and look for information about the landing its operation it's chain of command, all that. All right, Jake. So this hasn't come up yet. I think because you're not in Kolvar's body anymore, you don't have his mind to pull from. So I think that you can only spout lore when you use this book now. Oh, no. Like you don't have that Rolodex to thumb through anymore, but you do have this book. So I think that if you want to spout lore, you've got to be handling this book at the time. Okay, this is like my new Bible. This It was the songbook, and now it is this. Yeah, right? Like one of the books in Doctor Strange. Like, it's got the big chain around it, and you just wear it around your neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. That's a very, Under the apron. Yeah, yeah, that's a very Warcraft sort of thing, anyway, yeah. All right, eight. So something interesting about the Dead Isles and the landing. So the way the landing works is that every year it changes who is in control. The population doesn't move, the businesses don't change, but essentially the government does. They have a centralized set of laws that they have all agreed upon, despite whatever their own individual laws are in their country, that the landing operates under. And so those people switch out. So it would be the inspectors at the dock, it would be the city guards, it would be really anybody who is in control of making decisions for the town. Um, and it really is just the idea of having a shared space 
Um, it was to try to create a location where everyone from any part of Fanarin could go and feel safe and be amongst all the other cultures from around the world. Okay. And so I think that the interesting thing you get about the denials is that it is basically a feudal system. It is people who own lands. There are, you know, he is Baron Adnok Benare. There are other Barons who are in control of different regions. Uh, and so they all serve someone above them. They are not like a, what we would think of classically as like a evil society, but they have their own machinations within infighting. Sometimes their areas get larger or smaller. So you would know that he is not, say, the ruler of the Dead Isles. He is just one of the barons of the Dead Isle. Benari's like Roos Bolton. Yeah, kind of. Okay. All right, TJ, so you are up in the rigging talking to the people that you have worked with the last couple days. Uh, you are trying to get some information from them about Landara, uh, and you're flashing some coin around. How much gold are you flashing? Uh, yeah, I'm going to drop like 72 coin. Because a That's compelling so specific, yeah. So well, specific. a compelling bribe is eighty uh, minus charisma, and my charisma <laughs> is eight, so oh, okay. seventy-two. Yeah. So yeah. So seventy-two, and just like a flirty smile. <laughs> yeah. That's all they need. Yeah. They're like, oh, you. <laughs> Yeah, I think that with that information that you have, you know that Colvar was asking, you have the name and you have this money out that one of the sailors on the sails behind you uh, actually swings over and he's like, <laughs> I'll take your yeah, money. Exactly. He's like, yep, I know, I know. Uh, and he gives you her description. He tells you that she has gray skin and black eyes and that her hair is very close cut and it is green uh, and that she can be found hanging out at a bar called The Foothold. And that she has a room there. Awesome. So, Tash, you have run into the stateroom and you have gotten out the IPT communicator. What message are you sending? I think I'm tapping out. We're arriving at the landing. Where can we find you? And there's a little bit of a pause and it starts to flash back. But I think instantly you notice it's not flashing on the right side. It's flashing all over and it just seems to be random. And then it stops. I'm picturing like a toddler's attempt. Just a baby's got it. And they saw bl blinking lights and they're like, yay, blinky lights. Like someone playing Simon with it. Yes. <laughs> New octahedron. Who dis? Who dis? <laughs> I'm going to try blink twice if you're okay. Three times if you're in danger. There's another brief pause and then you get a similar thing. It is not the same pattern, but it seems to just be random lights in a random order. Shit. Uh, I'm just getting everything packed up, shoveling it back into the bag and getting everybody's gear ready to go. So I think that six or seven minutes pass and the three of you reconvene on the deck of the Scoundrel's Fortune. Any word from Grandpa? No, it's like somebody has it. Somebody's hitting something, but it's all just random. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that does not bode well. Well, did we get a lead on Landara? Uh, yeah, actually, she apparently is at a place called the Foothold Bar. At least she has a room there, and uh, she has gray skin and black eyes. Is that normal? Uh, would Wolfus know what that is? That that description of gray skin, black eyes? Uh, yeah, roll spout lore. Okay. Please, God. Oh yeah, that is eight. Yeah, that is. A pretty common description of someone from the Dead Isles if they are undead. Um, and I think just for the sense of 
this world. The thing that you know about the undead here is that they are intelligent. They are not people who have been killed and come back mindless. They have some manner of reproduction, like some people can be born undead. It is a group of people. Oh, interesting. Huh. Okay, yeah, I will impart all of that. Jake, did you find anything about the town? Sort of. It's it's more like pertaining to the Dead Isles in general. So it's not like one cohesive unit. It's kind of broken. It's like it's like Game of Thrones style. Like there is one person in charge, but then they kind of delegate down and Benari is one of the delegates. So just because he's after us doesn't mean the Dead Isles are after us. Okay. And specifically, the landing is supposed to be like a like a safe haven. So I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be able to operate okay here because their kind of core belief is like, oh, everybody can come here and do their thing. And we all respect this independent rule set unless like... The employees here happen to actually be subjects of Benari's specific zone. God. Okay. So we just play it cool. And if it looks like we get recognized, then we try to GTFO. Yeah. I think maybe we go by Honan and Walfus and like, I need something else, you know, just so that we're not spitting our names out there. But if we get physically recognized and accosted, we'll do something else then play it cool lay low ish but don't don't run and hide oh that makes me nervous that makes me so so nervous he has been a step ahead of us he knows where we were in the middle of the damn ocean he knows that we didn't even die from the explosion <sighs> all right we yeah let's just let's just play it cool and act if we have to act hopefully we can just get moving quick and not give him time to sick on us if he is planning to Okay, and I think we should call you Baker. Okay, I'm going to go let Trog know that my name is Baker now. Awesome. I'll, I'll do that. Oh, yeah, Trog. We need Trog in on the on the plan. He's been actually, like, remarkably convincing. I think the less we let him know, like, just <laughs> the, the less he could accidentally mess it up. So I'm yeah, just going to yeah. tell him to call me Baker from now on, and we're all going to act normal. I like it. All right, so you head below deck. As you head towards the galley, I think that the boat is pulling in and starting to dock. They are throwing out lines. They are starting to set up the gangplank. Uh, but Jake gets downstairs to the galley, and Trog is there. He's packing some things up. Hey, man. So we're making landing. Do you have any other thoughts on, like, what you want to do from here on? I mean, like, I, I promised you could travel with us. I intend to honor that. But I didn't know if, like, you'd fallen in love with cooking on the ship or anything. Oh, this place is a shithole. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, look at this thing. You saw my kitchen back at the other place. All right. So you still want to roll with us? Yeah. Cool. So as you know, like we have a grudge among the people in the Dead Isles. Some of them. Don't know if that's going to come up, but just in case we're going to go by, you know, you know, Honan and Walfus. Yeah. I'm going to go by Baker from now on, just in case. Oh, all right. Kind of, yeah, kind of keep it. Yeah. Keep it on the down low. Oh, just a second, just a second. And he goes over to one of the bags and he comes over and he just dusts you with flour. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Smart. Now you look like you've actually been doing it. Perfect cover. Yeah. Um, oh, does your tummy open? Like, could we put a fire in there? I, you could just be like a big oven. No, not currently. Maybe. Uh, maybe if I find an adequate, uh, oh, what's the D&D? Blacksmith? Sure. I was, uh, what's the D&D class that's like the magic item? Oh, uh, uh, Ar artificer. Artificer, yeah. yeah. If I find an adequate artificer. All right, well, let's 
head upstairs and get ready to de-ship. Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking de-plane, and I was like, what's the word for uh, on a ship? Debark? I, debark. I thought that's leaving. Like you debark on a quest. That's embark. Embark on a quest. <laughs> Unbark is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Embark, I that's think. Because debarkation is the process of getting off the ship. Oh. I only remember that because of the vacation that I just went on. <laughs> You're right. Let's go. Tass and TJ, what are you doing? I think we're going to go ahead and say goodbye to the captain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you see him up by the wheel and he is making some marks on a map. Nail head up. Well, Captain, I know it's been kind of a wild ride. I don't know how this compares to your usual voyages, but uh, we appreciate all of your help and your crew's help. And I apologize sincerely for any of the chaos that we might have invited to your ship. Um, but hopefully in some small way, we were able to make up for that with the whole Hydravine Frogman thing. Yeah, you haven't given me too much more trouble than uh, most of the trips we've been on. We didn't get attacked by some big sea monster or anything, so that was a plus. Oh, yeah, good, 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 good. Hey, I've been thinking, um, you know, it was it was strange that uh, you said that you were kind of new to the area, and uh, that explosion, and you said that you thought you were the target of it. Do you think someone on board is informing? Well, you just opened up my worldview. Um, that's a really good question, Captain. I guess it's possible. Oh, what do I do about that? Well, I mean, we're leaving, so as far as that's concerned, I don't think you're going to have any issues with us anymore. If somebody's informing on us that's after us, they're going to inform that we're leaving. I guess the thing that I would ask is, maybe if anybody happens to ask, make something up about where we went. You all right. We'll be sitting out here, well, not too long. So if you need anything, you know where to find us, well, at least for the next hour or so. Good luck to you. Well, to your whole crew, I suppose. Hey, something that just occurred to me. We never found one of those pirates that was under the water back there. May not hurt to look around and see if you have a stowaway. Not that I think it would matter at this point, but there's that chance. Oh, all right. Gosh, so a stowaway, maybe a spy. This whole ship's just full of intrigue, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you got a, a really interesting ship. Uh, and he gives you a nod and returns back to his work. Yeah, we're going to head back down. Yeah. Yeah, and as you head back down, Jake and Trog come up from below, uh, and they have got the gangplank out. They are unloading crates by now, uh, and you actually see two people walking up the gangplank. Uh, they both have white hair, uh, one very short, one very long, almost knee length, uh, but they both have gray skin and black eyes. I feel like we should just kind of gather our things and head for the gangplank. Yeah, I'm like sure there's like a bunch of people ready to like debark. So we'll just get in line, maybe, yeah? Uh, yeah, so you head towards the gangplank. Uh, you notice that one of the two people that came up uh, stops at the edge of the gangplank while the other continues onto the boat. Uh, and you can see that the one at the edge of the gangplank is checking tickets as people are getting off the boat. Yeah, I'll just walk up and give a nod and give my name and all that. Okay. What about Jake and Trog? Uh, I think I'm going to be super honest I'm going to talk about that we were out in the middle of the ocean and we got attacked with some hydrovine and some frogmen and we found these two out there and pulled them out and most of the other sailors uh, didn't make it. Yeah, uh, so he asks you to step aside for a second and he helps the rest of the people through uh, and then he goes over to the captain and chats to him for a second and then actually from where he is with the captain, he just waves you off the boat. Excellent. Great. So here you are on the dock in the landing. What are you doing? 
breathing heavily. <laughs> oh. Just thinking about jumping back on the boat. And just... <laughs> this is my new life. Um, I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to go shopping. Yeah, I think you guys have at least an hour to shop before it gets dark and everything starts to close down. Uh, what are you getting? I personally just need some adventuring gear. I don't do potions or anything anymore. I got a lot of shit out of Estin's place, but I don't have any kind of mundane tools. Uh, I just, I've already written up a list of what I think that we could use. So uh, I thought we would spend some on potions. So healing potions, I wrote down 20. Good God. Just to have, yeah, just to have extra, because who knows in a desert situation what we're going to need. Um, 10 antitoxins. I'll write down Jake's adventuring gear. And uh, they have what are called the bag of books which are five charges, and they just um, give you pluses on spout lore. So I wrote down a couple of stacks of those. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's really all I could think of besides like looking for whatever we're going to need for travel, maybe horses or camels or I don't know, whatever that they have there. I guess that's a conversation. That might be something we determine after we find Lindara. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good call. Uh, actually, Yaga ran it by me that I could like... I'll like take off my chef hat. I gave one of the gems to Colvar so that he can meet us back at, we're calling it the Haven now, but Esten's place. Oh, okay. Um, so that he can teleport. The only downside is like there's a little bit of a recharge while I'm there before it can pop off again. But I imagine that if we can get to Esten's, we've got a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Yaga told me that I could put other gems in here and get other effects, kind of like what the belt that TJ has can do. Oh, sweet. Do you have any thoughts? What should I do? do should i because if i put him back in there i'm gonna like i'm gonna hurt uh actually you won't i think just to clarify this since we didn't really get to talk about it last episode uh you had four damage originally when you had put in the two black jewels and the one red one each of those black gems were giving you two points of damage essentially since they were death magic oh so as long as you don't put a black two more one, black gems <laughs> yes exactly then you would take two more or well, four more points of damage Okay, well then, never mind. So you can get rid of the one black one too if you want and get those two hit points back. (laughs) Never teleport again. Oh, or maybe a white gem would offset that. I don't know. I don't know how any of this works. Well, if that's the case, just get tons of white gems just embedded all, all, all over. Yeah. I have 700 hit points. <laughs> um, I look like a disco ball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we know what these gems kind of equate to. So I guess let's just go to like a magic item shop and ask what's cool. Yeah, everything here is pretty clearly marked. So you have no problem finding a magic shop. What kind of effect are you looking for? I don't really know. I feel like we as a party are still like fairly balanced. So just something that's got like a good, a good utility that might help all of us or that could get us out of a pinch or something, you know, like, like would a life gem heal. Yeah. Like if there was like a life gem that could do like a, like a channel positive energy type thing to heal us up or yeah, that's exactly what it does. Oh, wow. So white gem would do essentially a channel positive energy. Okay, that's pretty awesome. Everything else would affect you. Like, that's the only one that would be what we would say area of effect. Okay. What's like the dexterity effect? These are all going to be pretty similar to TJ's belt. It will give you a bonus effect and you'll roll a die to see how powerful and how long. Uh, So the dexterity one would make you faster and more agile. The constitution one would give you natural armor. Uh, It really just kind of comes down to the effect that you want. I kind of love the idea of being this big, like, lumbering tank. 
and all of a sudden being very fast when nobody expects it. Okay, I definitely want a white gym because I think the healing will be clutch. How much will that run me? Uh, so the white gem would cost 450 gold. Oh, yeah, super that. Bookkeeper, deduct it. Deducted? All right, what, what do we think? Like, TJ's got the strength effect covered. I'm already very armored. I feel like either Dex or Int. I feel like one of those, either like the Limitless Pill or a good comparison for a dexterity equivalent. I can't come up with anything right now. I uh, personally would go with dex because I think the idea of you just choo-choo training through things is pretty awesome and doing it real fast, that's even better. Yeah, that's pretty good. How much will the dexterity gem set me back? 750 gold. Hell yes. And I've got, oh my God, my mohawk looks so good now. (laughs) Is it black, white, blue? I think it's black, blue, white. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I feel so says judged. A, really says a lot about a guy. <laughs> so the white gem, uh, as I said, it does an area of effect heal, um, but it is an area of effect, whatever is in that area. And you can do it once a day for 2d8, or you can do it three times a day, and it'll be a d6 each time. Okay. And on the dexterity gem, you're actually going to roll a d3. And the number that you get is how many back-to-back actions you can take before anyone else can respond. Nice. Nice. Whoa. Do you need a D3? I have a D3. Is that D3 for keepsies? No. I might have two, actually, and if I do, I'll give you one. So how does a one roll work? Uh, Is this additional actions on top of like what I could normally do? uh, No, it is just it means that you will do something that no one, like, say that you are hacking and slashing. Like, they will not get to strike back at you. So okay. it'll still be the benefit of being fast enough that someone can't react. It would just be for that one event. Oh, God. So you could get, like, three hits in before they even get a hit back. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, wow. And is this a one a day? Correct. Hell yes. If the effect of that blue gem lasts longer than four hours, call a doctor. Call a doctor. Yeah. Call all of the doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, they'll never be able to react to your call, though. (laughs) I've called every doctor faster than any of them can answer. Uh, Is that all you're shopping? Do you guys need anything else? TJ is the only one who eats. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. How are you doing on food, TJ? I have plenty of hardtack right now, so I think I'll be all right. I've got all my mechanical healing accoutrement. I've got all my magic stuff, a sweet bag, and... Adventuring gear. Here's a question. Does Trog have everything he needs for an adventure? Mmm. Got my apron. Uh, I got this hat and I've got this big cleaver and I've got my bag of food that I made. You remember when we made this food together? I do. Yeah, I mean, what else do you need? I was waiting for it. I got two feet and a good attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not good feet. I got two flat feet. Two bad feet and a good attitude. Do you need like some pots and pans or like a bedroll or... Oh, I don't know. Oh, I just realized you said two. You don't eat. It's gonna kind of be boring. I can eat. Can you? Where are you gonna stuff it? I just point to my to my grate. To your grate. <laughs> oh, you're gonna make like a like one of those Play-Doh spaghetti factories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I mean, I don't think I need anything. Uh, this is what I've always had with me as long as I've been doing this. Okay. I want to get him something nice. <laughs> Just for just for coming with us and being our friend. Let's surprise him with like some brand new cutlery or something. Like we don't want to, you know, I don't want to like hurt his feelings by like, oh, here's something better than the cleaver you have, but just like some some more stuff. Yeah, we're gonna secretly find Trog a nice knife block. Oh, okay. Uh, 
13 gold. <laughs> you had to take me down to 3999, didn't you? You had to do it. Yeah. Okay. Let's go find the foothold. Yeah. It doesn't take long for you all to find out where the foothold is located and walk there. The four of you walk in, and it's about 8 o'clock at night. There's a good-sized crowd here, people drinking, sharing stories, and playing games. All right, look for a gray-skinned woman with green shortcut hair. Yeah, is there anybody that matches that description in here? World discern realities. How's an 11 do me? Oh, God. Yeah. Feels good to succeed sometimes. You get a hold three. What here is useful or valuable to me? Uh, I think the useful thing here as you walk in and look around is that it's one of the few places that you've been so far between going to the store and getting off the ship and walking through the town where you have seen really the idea of this town in action. There's a lot of mingling and tables filled with people that you can tell are from the different continents, just even by their clothing and their accents. It is very clear that the intent of this town to make a mixing pot for all of the people who were involved in this war and to make sure there is a place on one of the continents where everyone could come together seems to be working. And I think that you do see at the head of one of the tables this gray-skinned woman with green hair and black eyes. Uh, and she is standing up and slamming some cards down on the table and pointing at somebody and, and laughing and then sitting back down. Uh, what should I be on the lookout for? In the back corner of this room, you see that there is a cluster of four people. Two of them look like sea dogs, and one of them is undead, and the other one is a dwarf. And the dwarf takes notice of TJ as he walks in and kind of says a couple things to the other three. And they give a glance and go back to what they were doing. But there's a moment of hesitation when the dwarf turns back to the table like he recognizes Honan. As you come to this realization, you actually see that when he moves his arm to drink, it bumps his coat open and one of his arms is missing. Oh man, that actually makes like a few of these seem real good. I think I'm going to go with what is about to happen. You think that based off what you saw from that corner, if too much attention is drawn to TJ, that person is going to connect some dots and tell the people that he is sitting with the story that he has. Uh, I want to kind of lean over to TJ and be like, hey, do you recognize that dwarf in the corner? Be very cool. And I'm just going to kind of give a small glance over at him and see if I can figure out who that guy is. I think defy danger with charisma. Oh, to hide my glance? To, yeah. <laughs> the worst one. That is a seven. So I think the mixed success here isn't a couple of options uh, because this is such a specific moment that's happening. I think that you recognize this dwarf. It was one of your escorts under the tunnel. And the mixed success is that the next time you try to avoid the glance or get out of the way of this person as they move through the space, if you encounter them again, because you know who they are and you know the story that they know, it's going to be that the first time you try it, it's going to be at a minus one because you are nervous. Okay, I get that. Uh, yeah, that's um one of the escorts that tried to take me from Alpo. He must have survived. Is that going to be a problem? I don't know. We'll just try and keep cool as best we can. All right, I want to 
walk over to Landara's table and wait for an opening in the raucous game that's going on. Like, I don't just want to walk over and be like, I know you're doing stuff, but talk to me instead. Like, I want to go over and kind of like observe and watch them play whatever they're playing. And when it seems like there's a moment that she could talk, be like, hey, could I, could we have a chat for a moment, please? When you do that, the whole table gets quiet real fast. Oh, no. That's right. I am a 300-pound robot. Well, you are a war machine. Oh, I am that as well. And they all stop and take you in. What are they playing? Do I recognize the game? You know. Um, okay. As they get quiet and seem to, like, look me up and down, I want to give it just an appropriate beat and then throw, like, 50 coin on the table and be like, I get next hand. Jake, roll Defy Danger with Charisma and give yourself a plus one. Okay. Eight. What they're hearing and what they're seeing doesn't match up for them. You know, they are seeing this war machine in a chef's hat and (laughs) an apron covered in flour. And so they're all a little uneasy, but they do make room for you to sit down and they deal you in. So I think your mixed success here is that you are going to draw unwanted attention while you're playing. You're going to have a minus one on your next charisma check as you try to get this group in your good graces, or you're going to lose this initial 50 gold investment in the game. Um, I'll lose the gold. I think that's just makes the most sense with how I'm trying to play this. Okay. So what are you doing? I think I'm being as stupid as I am to alleviate their worry. Like, I think I sit down and I'm just like, all right, somebody please explain to me what this game is. I have no idea what I'm doing. And just trying to be like a normal dummy so that they're not worried anymore. Tass and TJ, what are you doing while Jake is doing this? I'm just going to order a drink from the bar. Yeah, I think I'm going to sit with them and just watch Jake's table and kind of uh, try to see how that plays out. Okay, so we have Trog and Tass and TJ sitting at the bar and Jake playing this game. And the scene that unfolds takes maybe a half hour before they start to get comfortable and talk to you instead of around you. Mm -hmm. But you do start to get the sense of the game. It's not very complicated. It's actually a game of deception. And you can tell that they're starting to be comfortable with you when they start joking about making you double ante because you have very few tells. Yeah. And so the game goes on for a while. And at some point, Landara at the head of the table turns to you and says, what's your story? Oh boy, that's a good question because it is bizarre. I imagine just looking at you with the, well, I've never seen a soul trap chef before. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's my passion. You know, I found my true calling in the apron. Currently my story is, uh, I'm from out of town and I'm trying to find somebody. Uh, and I've been told that there's someone in this bar who can help me. Oh, is that right? And she throws down a couple cards. Yeah. Yeah. I have it on, on good authority from a group of trustworthy sailors that you might be the person who could help me find Someone we've lost. Interesting that. It's great coincidence because I'm mostly interested in the fact that you're fun to play cards with. But if you're also for hire to help me do a job, that's just icing on the cake. Uh, She laughs and she folds her cards and scoots the table away from her. (laughs) (laughs) And scoots her chair away from the table. What a power move that would be every time you got up from a table. Instead of pushing yourself away, you just shove the table away from you. (laughs) Why don't you step into my office? And she walks over to the bar. I will join. What kind of thing are you looking for? A person, actually. Somebody that's been lost for a long time. Hmm. 
And they've been seen here or around here? This is the last place they were seen. We have reason to believe that they're still here somewhere. Or somewhere in Dunehurst, at least. Tell me a story. Who's lost needs finding. And she taps the bar, and the bartender pours her a drink. Well, he's an older fellow. Uh, not from here. Kind of a smart guy. To be honest, I don't know what exactly his business was here. I don't know if he was taken, but I'm pretty sure he's on the run. So finding him might be tough, because he wants to be found by the right folk, but I don't think he'll know who that is. Can you describe him at all? I'll describe what he looks like. And she listens for a moment and nods, and she pulls out a piece of paper and she unrolls it on the bar, and you see a sketch of him. Just already done? Yeah. Ooh. Looks a lot like uh, this fellow here. Uncanny, actually. Interesting. You're not the first person to come to me asking for him. Oh, who was? Don't know. It was just an envoy. Big wad of money. Did you help? Not yet, but I know where he is. What do I have to do to keep you on my side? Could be money. Could be a reason. Why? Why do people want to find this guy? All I've gotten from one side is the money. No story. No reason why. I'm not a big fan of no questions asked work. I mean, I can tell you the reason we want to find him is because... He was part of our organization. He went missing and we want to bring him home. I think the reason they want to find him is because he's a smart guy who could achieve a lot for them or do a lot of work against them if he's alive. So you've used a lot of um, generic words, organization, person. Who is this guy to you? He's a friend of mine's grandpa. He was a scientist. A what? Um, has there been any evidence of, like, conventional science in this world? Not really. You've seen alchemy. You have seen some of the pseudosciences, but not anything that, like, you haven't seen steam power. You haven't seen electricity. You've seen chemistry and alchemy. That's really about it. Yeah. Um, it's a term for, like, things like alchemy once you can refine the magic out. Or, like, me. Imagine... A soul trap that operated without magic, but did the same job. Those are the kinds of things that a scientist can make happen. Like a, oh, is that, I see, I see. So you're not really a soldier in a soul trap. You're like a little halfling in there with a bunch of pulleys and levers operating this thing. No, no, I wish. Sadly, I am a soul, but you're on the right track. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Huh. He had big ideas. He accomplished great things. You know, like I said, he he's not from here, uh, and getting here was one of those big ideas, and it, it backfired on him. Getting to Dunehurst? Uh, yes and no. Are you aware that there are other worlds beyond this one? Even, like, other planets. Has the thought ever occurred to you that there's other life out there beyond what's on this rock? She looks at you for a long moment, and then she unbuttons the top button on her coat, and she pulls it open, and you see a jagged scar that goes from her shoulder down her chest farther than you can see with the open coat. Well, I've been to the Black Gate, so I know there's something out there. I don't think you come back from that experience believing that this is all there is. I raise my glass to toast her, and I say, first of all, cheers from another visitor to the Black Gate. Really? Yep. What did it look like? A big, dark gate of metal and wood and a hooded figure who made me an offer. Huh. What were your surroundings there? And she takes a sip of her drink. Void-like. So when you say that uh, there are other worlds, are you from one of those other worlds? Yeah. Well, I'll give you this much. I believe your story. Anyone I've ever talked to who's been to the Black Gate, they appeared in 
place they felt safe or comfortable, but it was there. And I wondered, that figure who guards the gate, what would he see if he went? And I knew that he wouldn't see anything around it because he wasn't of this world. And so if you didn't see anything, hmm. And she finishes the rest of her drink. Why did he send you back? So that I could collect this guy and get the people like us that are here that aren't supposed to be the fuck out and stop bastardizing his realm with our presence. Oh, so there's more of you here that shouldn't be. He's one of them, this grandpa. I'll tell you yes, but I don't think I'm going to give you any more until I know that we're in business. Hmm, that's unfortunate. I was just starting to find you interesting. (laughs) All right, I'll help you find him. But there's something I think you should know about my trip to the Black Gate. You say death sent you back to remove these unnatural presences from the world. Well, when I met death at the Black Gate, he sent me back with a task as well. And it's the same one he gave you. The Crit Show is a Crit Show Studios production, edited and produced by Brandon Wentz with music by Jake Purley. You can find more information about us at thecritshowpodcast.com. To keep up to date with upcoming live shows, contests, and other special events, follow us at The Crit Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For even more weekly content, join us at patreon.com slash thecritshow. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Greetings, fans of the esoteric, and welcome to the trailer for Madame Magenta Sonus Mystica. Hang on, why am I doing my own trailer? Where will the people want to see their star, my dear? No one can see me, Bernard. This is a podcast. Oh. You know what? I should have that deep voice chap doing this. You know the one. What's his name? Oh, the... Um, the, the strange the, name. Yes. Like uh, a fruit. Uh, red pepper. That's yes, it. yes. <clears throat> In a world where something, something, something... That's the one. Oh, it's quite sexy, Bernard. Oh. Save that for later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not sure I can keep it up. You've never had a problem before. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that, that was a very clever joke. Yes. I am a very turgid man. You are? I'm going to make a cup of tea. You do the trailer. Oh, right you are. <clears throat> In a world... Oh, great. Normal. Uh, Earl Grey, please. In a world where ghosts and angels walk amongst us... Float! They float! Uh, uh, float amongst us stands one woman, Magenta. Oh, God, my bloody spirit guide's frozen the milk again. It's going to have to be iced tea, I'm afraid. Oh, uh, all right, fair enough. Uh, psychic, medium... <coughs> my throat. Oh, uh, Magenta... I can't do this anymore. Bernard, you won't get nodules. You're not Adele. Well, actually, interestingly enough, that wasn't nodules. That was an exploding polyp. Oh, God. Do you imagine that? Exploding polyp. Anyway, that's not why I can't do the trailer anymore. Oh. Do you mean... Uh, Yes, the angelic manifestation by the dog bed, yes. Here we go again. What do you want? From the makers of Mockery Manor comes Madame Magenta, Sonos Mystica. For all fans of the esoteric. Available now wherever you get podcasts.